warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and good evening welcome to burning issue i'm your host yazid kamaldin and of course every week we look at a topic that is close to our community and something that needs a bit more unpacking now this week we will be looking at the cape minstrels and we're looking ahead now at the tweed and Nivear carnival which is around the corner and there's some issues that came up on this radio station last week so what happened was last week there were reports on facebook about violence at the first marky minstrels parade in poor cup so it went viral on social media if you've seen it you'd know what i'm talking about and this raised serious concerns around the safety of minstrel participants and their supporters and on this station many listeners were up in arms some saying that only certain teams should be allowed to walk in the historic area others raised the issue of the gang element in the minstrels the disrespect shown to the work up community the politics between the associations and the involvement of the city of Cape Town in terms of the logistics for these events. Now you may know that the city of Cape Town spends millions of rands each year. It gives money in fact to various organizations to run the Cape Minstrel Parade when it is toured in Nivear. And also for example for the first market which was on 16th December which was the uh, Reconciliation Day. Now with the Tweed and Nivear Carnival around the corner tonight we discuss two things. The importance of safety for all those concerned and why certain groups are allegedly being excluded by the city. So we'll be talking to a number of people in, in the studio. We have Shiam Samai. She's a feminist activist and she's also a lawyer who has been very active in Book Up for a number of years. And later on in the show, we have Sadiq Sukha from the Cape Town Minstrel Carnival Association, as well as J.P. Smith from the city of Cape Town. Now, we have invited the Kapsa Klopsa Carnival Association. They confirmed initially that they would come on the show, but they pulled out of the interview. So let's get to it. And also remember, we open the lines. You can phone us at any time. The line in the live on-air number is 021-442-3530. That is 021-442-3530. You can also send us a WhatsApp to the number 072-238-0712. That is 072-238-0712 if you have any th- comments or contribution to the show. Shia, welcome to Burning Issue. Oh, thank you, Yazid. Thank you for having me. You are no stranger to this radio station and the show in particular. Yes, it's just a, yeah, it, I, I would think it's just a little bit of a different topic because yeah. I would normally speak about broader gender issues, but I think um, hopefully we'll be able to go there also because yeah. women play a significant role in both the Malay choirs as well as the minstrels. And I mean, especially when we're talking about safety of families, community and women, I mean, that's an important thing. We're touching on the safety, in fact, of supporters tonight. We'd like to talk about that. Shyam, you know, the thing is, I just want to reflect very briefly. I mean, last year this time you know I had a show on burning issue when Ima Modi Saban came on you know and he was raising a point of people who were urinating for example on the mosque wall there's always something coming up around the Tweed and Nivear um, you know which is a cultural and, and you can say almost like a a necessity in our society people wait for this every year they gear up for it but it seems that even though the city is spending so much mm-hmm. money to people to get people to organize it and of course we've got the Cubs, the clubs the carnival association who've been given the money to organize the event that is always there's always an incident there's always something happening now you are from book up originally um what do you make of what we saw last week with you know the violence and i mean there were so many concerns that were being raised people talking about drinking in their neighborhood mm-hmm. people talking about just the behavior 
You know, what are your initial thoughts on this? Well, I mean, I think it's very easy for us to be able to, um, you know, go into the the particularities of what happened on that day. But I do think it's very important to be able to place the broader context because I don't want to get involved in all of that. Because one of the issues is that when we talk about we do have a history, let me not, we have a history of organizing. Most of our communities, let not speak about the Malay choirs or even the Klopsa. And I think that in our communities, when we do organize, we do take into account broader issues around safety and security. And we, we but one of the other challenges that we do have, in particular around the Malay choirs and the, and I would say it's actually the past, 10 years is that there isn't a supportive city of Cape Town that supports the culture as well as the heritage. I think that I will speak about the funding that is given, but at the end of the day, we know that there is the Force Parky, we do know that there's the Tweed and Yard, we know that there's going to be back marches, we do know that there is a, a lot of traditions that goes with that. And when we speak about huge or large um, congregations, or when we, the, the challenge is that we need to be able to see what processes have been put in place to ensure that there's safety and security. At the end of the day, whose responsibility is safety and security? Is it SAPS? Is it Metro? Is it the city? And I do think that there should be a partnership between communities as well as, as the city of Cape Town. Now I know what you've just indicated to me, that the city of Cape Town has has given so much money, um, uh, you know, towards um, the Malay choirs as well as the minstrels. But it's not just about the money. I think that at the end of the day, let's unpack it. What is the funding really for? It is not just about the Tweed and Yard or the 31st. The Klopse as well as the, um, the, the Malay choirs, it's a tradition. It goes on the entire year. If you put in 4.5 million rand, the communities are actually also putting in 4.5 million rand. Because what those minstrel owners and, and the Malay choirs are doing at the end of the day is taking kids off the streets. They are giving work to women, to men, to be able to make those wonderful, beautiful gears and whatever it might be. So there's a broader economy that we're not talking about. So this is not just the cash in hand. Who does the, let's unpack, like I said, the 4.5 million is for services. It goes towards services. And my issue is that does that money really trickle down to the actual community so that they can take broader ownership of what is happening? So whilst there is this broader funding and support, which I would think is given, and there's a lot of fanfare, and I would say also populist type of rhetoric that is done by the city of Cape Town at the end of the day. I'm asking, does that money actually go down and how does it actually change the economy yeah. of the Cape Flats? So, so, so I am not really interested in speaking about the particular incident because for me if you have a big group like that and there are no form of support from the city at all it's very easy for politicians whoever to come in and to monopolize on that because my question is where are you 
and do not one of the other challenges is that they can say it's not that we want to uh, not be regulated or to be able to do this without rules but fundamentally what happens is that you need to be able to make an application or permit and the cost of that is actually carried by the choir as well as the community where the where the where the minstrels and the Malay choirs come from. So, what investment is there truly in relation to the city? In relation for me, mm-hmm. in respect of the mm-hmm. force market, and you can't say that you don't know that it was going to happen. Sure. So, I just want to reflect again on the interview that we had with Imam Moti, and we also um, okay. Let's go for a quick break. But I want to go back to that interview because I want to share the information that was stated about the money part from the actual people who received the money. Mm. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. This evening we are focusing on the Cape Minstrels and the um, lack of safety that people have, have been feeling at recent events, um, particularly in Burkup, when the uh, minstrels were in there in the area rather for the what is known as the Fuerce Marquee. And of course now we're throwing it forward to the Twitter Nivear, which is gonna be massive. Every year it's massive. Like hundreds of thousands. I can't even know how many people come there, but lots of people come to Cape Town, lining up the city from the Grand Parade all the way to Burkup. Troops are going through the area. It's just a gridlock lockdown. You can't even move in and out of there. Before the break I had mentioned that in an interview last year that I had around an incident of one of the Cape Minstrel mm. troop members urinating on the toilet, the organizer of the event actually said to us that they cannot be held responsible for the behavior of each and every person who comes to the event. So, you know, that's kind of like in a way saying everybody's welcome to come and whatever they do is not on us. Yeah. You know? Like I said, Yazid, I mean, you know, I, I really, I, I wanted to speak more about development. I wanted to speak also more about the potential of of developing and using the choirs as well as the minstrels as a mechanism to uplift and how a government and a city can actually support that. But I know that we need to be able to address this burning issue. I think it's very important it's to burn, talk about yes. safety. Eh? Yes, it's it super is. important because but this is what the topic is about. We have a call online. Let's take the caller, Sham. Yes. Call Assalamu alaikum. Good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. You are live on the Voice of the Cape. Okay. Walaikum salam. Welcome to the show. Is the caller there? Okay, caller, you have to turn down your radio. You are echoing. Can you please turn down your radio? Assalamu alaikum. Yes, you are live on air. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Burning Issue. Yes, I would like to ask uh, Siam, why is the coons, the monsters walking at one o'clock at night uh, and it makes us not sleeping and it's disturbing? I would like to ask... Are you a Siam, resident uh, in Burkab, Kola? Are you a resident in Burkab, Kola? Yes, I am a resident in Burkab and it's very disturbing. I won't uh, comment on any of the other things that is disturbing the people, but I would like to know why is the monsters walking at one o'clock at night okay i mean that is complete unfair okay let me just ask you one quick question do you feel that when the twitter when the first market or the twitter never celebrations happen in Burkab, do you feel that there's an element of unsafety that comes with that exactly 
Exactly. What is your experience of that? Such a disturbance, yeah. as uh, uh, you mentioned before, what Mochi Saban said is in connection with the uh, urine uh, around the mosque. People is drinking and then they don't care because I don't know why are they doing this because their mind is now full of other things and now their mind is completely in another world. That's why they're doing all those things and so many things happen that people don't care. Mm. I mean, there's no security. What you see, they control those areas like uh, walking around and saying, look, you can't do, do that. Get away from the people's property and things like that. People, you know, I'm saying, well, my house is, I won't mention my house, but I'm saying you, you know how many people come to my door and knock for a toilet? I mean, mm. it's a disturbance. And yes. late at night, one o'clock, what must I do? It's, it's a complete disaster. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's unfair. That is what I'm trying to say. Listeners, shukran so much for your input. We really appreciate it. Shukran. Wa alaikum salam. So, listeners, you are more than welcome to participate in the show. You can give us a call. The live on-air number is 021-442-3530. There's also the WhatsApp line. The number is 072-238-0712. I just want to say very quickly that the views expressed in this program are not the views of the voice of the KPS management or staff. And one of our listeners sent a message. Listener 3940 shares this opinion. Um, and it reads, there is no way that we are going to get through get through to this exploitative democratic alliance regime, excepting to remove them the same way we remove the apartheid regime. Remember, they are racist and capitalist, and we have to remove them sooner rather than later. That is from listener 3940. So essentially, the listener is blaming the local mm. party, the local government, for the lack of safety and security and just the, what's happening in the, in the Cape Minstrels. Our caller wanted to know why at 1 a.m. I mean, yeah. this is tradition. But that no, let no? me just explain to you quickly. And I think, I think let's accept that there are people that appreciates the culture or appreciates Malay choirs and the clubs and the minstrels and then those that don't. So, so they will also be, for example, in different families, those that will just go into the Malay choirs and those that won't go, will not go into the clubs, right? And I think it's very important when we talk about this anecdotal type of 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 information that was given uh, around, you know, somebody knocking at one o'clock. Obviously, it's not acceptable. Nobody would ever say it is. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to understand these are the things that will happen if you have a local government that is not really supportive of the people as well as the culture as well as the the heritage. I believe that if they really took the working class and they really took the Cape Flats as well as the Bukap community into their confidence, there would have been a different consultative process that would have occurred. Most of the negotiations that happens is happens between associations as well as the city of Cape Town, for example, because they are the ones that bring the event. But if you really think about it, the Malay choir's history historically comes from Bokap, and that is 77, 77 Wales Street. Do you think? We can't yeah. at any level mm-hmm. write that out of history. Yeah. Shyam, are you part of the Bokap Civic Association? Well, I'm not part of the Bokap Civic Association. I have always been, you know, giving them legal advice. And that is what I do in terms of most of the organizations in the community, whether or not it comes from rugby, whether or not it's the sporting codes, whether or not it's the socials, whether or not it's around registrations. And obviously, I did the court case in 2011 when we took the city of Cape Town um, and we had a historical accord 
um, where there was unity. For the first time, I would think, even if it was just on paper, it was a start. But what we saw in that year was that we had Malay choirs, we had an entire system that was uh, uh, regulated and everybody respected that. And I would call that, I mean, that was an accord that was done by Judge O'Regan. And we, and the challenge that we have is that if all parties don't adhere to that or there isn't a broader development, you will get what this uncle just indicated. You will have something where people come in and because there's no proper leadership that is being shown both by the city as well as possibly the associations. I want to look at our, acknowledge our listeners who are sending in messages and these are obviously people who live in Up as well. So listener 6673 shares, um, you know, what what they've experienced and the listener says, it's so scary to see all those gangsters and young scholars coming with the klopser to the Up, urinating, drinking and smoking dacha right in front of our houses and in front of the mosque, taking over the Up, leaving the area in a terrible state. The civic does not do anything and the people are scared. Now we have... I guess contacted the Civic Association as well. Um, in fact, I'm in contact with somebody from their Civic Association right now. We're trying to get them on board as well because obviously a, 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 a local government representative via even the Civic Association, a people's elected um, representative should be aware of this and they should be doing something about this to mitigate it and to ensure that there's safety for people in the area. Are you talking about the Bokap Civic or are you talking about the city of Cape Town? Well, the Civic and the city. Yes. Yeah. So I do think... We need to go for a quick break. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Ezid Kamaldin. We are talking to Shiam Samai. She's a feminist activist and also a former resident of Bokap. She's a, a daughter of Bokap, actually. And she's talking to us this evening around the concerns that have been raised in terms of the minstrels when they march into Bokap. There have been so many safety concerns raised on the mm-hmm. show now by listeners. And, of course, the listeners, you're welcome to share your views on this topic as well. Um, the live on-air number is 021-442-3530. Our WhatsApp line is 072-238-0712. That is 072-238-0712. Shyam, you know what? I, I, I get a feeling that we haven't really answered the caller who phoned in and wanted to know why do the minstrels have to march at 1am and for example knock on his door to use the toilet mm. um, is this is the timing of it a part of the problem and could and is this something that could be discussed with you know the city of Cape Town and the organizers of the event of course it can mm-hmm. but I mean let's have a real conversation because I mean this type of anecdotal questioning etc I believe that we need to have also the proper evidence let me explain to you that when we talk about safety and security it is critical and it's important that people need to be able to or there needs to be a process of coordination where we need to look at what was the actual incidents now give you the example of what happened last year when they said there was somebody that was urinating against a, a mask and there were pictures and there was pictures yeah. but the question was when was the pictures taken was it that particular incident and also the actual evidence was it wasn't on that particular day so when which for me is that when we start putting out this type of evidence we are creating a situation in a community that is much bigger 
than what it really is. If we speak about chaos and we speak about stampedes, we talk all about all of those things, we need to be able to look at the this is a broader it's an organizing of an event by the working class. And if we look at the incidents and the amount of time that the city of Cape Town is putting in in terms of energy and highlighting that particular incident, I'm saying put the same type of energy when you go to Manenberg, when you go to Bonteville, when they are literally without broader organizing, people are being killed each and every day. Women are unsafe. Now, the question that I have is, where are the incidents? We need to use this incidents as a mechanism to ensure that we build proper structures, proper safety, proper security, proper development. Those are the issues that we need to be. And they will. All, and when things are not properly coordinated, organized, I'm talking about between community, association, as well as the city or in terms of government, then these are the incidents and what we will get is that there will be groupings that will use this as a mechanism to be able to push a very particular agenda. Yeah. And I am very concerned about that because this issue is much bigger. We are talking about three to four hundred years of tradition. Now, I'm not going to use, for example, black political parties, but many years ago, another political party, different formation, not going to mention them, there was, the, there was a very strong investment, development in the minstrels. And there was a greater possibility of engagement between communities as well as that political party. Now, I'm saying there's an opportunity here for the current city, for the current political party, to be able to take the working class into their confidence. Because that is, I also think that when we talk about drugs, when we talk about gangsters, when we talk about that, those are our people. And we need to be able to speak about how do we rehabilitate? How do we economically empower? How do we cause? Let us not think that drugs is brought in by the clubs or the minstrels, etc. Mm -hmm. Only the Tweed and Yar or the 31st of December. Yeah. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Because that means that we are naive Shyam, in terms of what Shyam, is happening within your area. Shyam, the bigger picture is great. You're giving us the bigger picture. You're saying there are socioeconomic conditions that's broader than just what happens at the Spursmarki and at the Tweed and Yar, right? The question, however, is the organizers and the city, the people who are behind this yes, event. Yes, yes, They need to actually, and we're going to have J.P. Smith on later in the show, and we're also having someone from the Cape Town Minstrel Carnival Association on the show. The point is we need to ask them, you know, like what is your role in ensuring safety for a community when you have such an event? Yes. And I also want to acknowledge some of the WhatsApp messages that we're getting. Listener 4802 is alluding to something along your lines, if I may say so. The listener is saying the organizations running the events mm. are blind to the fact that Western Cape government is slowly trying to eliminate our culture. They are like puppets allowing these people to dictate to us how to celebrate our culture. So, and then the person goes on a saying that we will lose all the uh, cultural elements from our community. There will be no choirs for Christmas Eve, no Malay choirs on Oya Aunt, mm. no Monsters on Twitter, never are. Then we've got a listener, 8290, saying the majority of the influx of people that come to World Cup are not from the area and they don't care for the inconvenience they are causing. This is, of course, when mm. there are minstrel events. 
and this is now the listener's experience being related. I see young people drinking wine openly. You can smell dacha everywhere. So this happens around World and Capini Street and Rose Street. Now, Sham, this is a mm. very real lived experience of yes. someone, okay? Now, this is not some government telling me that there's a problem and we need to curtail this or we need to make away with this. We are looking at the lived realities here and there are more messages coming through. For example, listener 5369, he says, um, okay, this is now maybe a bit... Taking the topic yeah. somewhere else. The listener says, why must the Malay choirs and the minstrels apply for a permit every year if the city knows these events take place annually? The permit thing, it's around planning. No, but I do think, I, I understand what the listener is saying. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, I think that when we talk about broader investment in a community, we are talking about three to four hundred years of history. Yeah. This current government... This wasn't created yes, like yesterday. Mm, this mm. is something that was here and it was, and I'm talking about even if you look at pre-1994, when I told you at the beginning, we have a history of organizing. Yeah. So, so let's say, also mensa organize alles. Yeah. Also organize gatata. We overthrew apartheid actually. We, listen, I would even go as far to say the biggest post-apartheid demonstration which is a Palestinian one, which was, which was largely done by the Muslim community, Muslim community incident-free, was done in Cape Town. Yeah. So I am very, very, uh, you skeptical. know, skeptical yeah. or even challenged when we talk in a manner which doesn't take into account the broader socioeconomic as well as the class interests of what is happening I got you. around yeah. the Malay, the, yeah. the Malay as well the listener, as wise. Because we'll, we are, we'll ask JP as well about this. I'll make we, a note to ask him why are, should they apply every year for a permit. Yes, and also yeah. in addition to this, we are talking about, if we talk about Bokap, there are a few Malay choirs as well as minstrels that come from the area. Okay. There but is yeah, not this a is the, family this, member. Mm-hmm. I have to ask you this question. Are you dismissing some of the allegations that are coming through from residents? I am concerned, and I'm going to change that question. I am always, we always have to look at the interest of everyone. My issue is that when you organize this, only by a particular community, which is the poor community, that is taking the brunt of the lack of proper investment by a city, as well as the city taking, then this is exactly what will happen. Imagine you go into an area with no rules or no organizing or no leadership. What is going to happen? My issue is that something bigger should have happened, right? Because you had people coming in, like you said, without permits and there was a particular incident. My, I want a comparison, for example. I don't want anecdotal around safety and security. It must be actual facts. If I say that I was brought up in Boakab, I know the, the minstrels for many, many years coming from the flats. And we are talking about incident-free, for example, in Boakab. Come, there was men, for example, come up and say, how many incidents, for example, were there in terms of shooting, stabbings, etc. Let's have a real conversation. Let's have conversations to be able to mitigate this so that people do not urinate. People don't get stabbed. People don't get, I don't know. I've never even, you know, for the past couple of years in terms of shootings, etc. And we shouldn't use this as a punitive measure 
To be able to stop people and say, oh, don't come here, it's okay, to be able to stay on the Cape Flats. So, and so, and, and so that even, is not the conversation yeah. that we should have. I mean, could we even say that these incidents are in the minority? Because now it's being blown up maybe no, to I be seeming I'm, like... I'm not even... I don't want... You see the language. Mm-hmm. The, I need, we need to use the proper language. Because even if it was a minority, we need to be able to look at the minority's interests. And those minority interests can be looked into. For example, if there is greater investment in relation to safety and security, and not just let it be at the, at the for example, the Boer Cup Civic or the Boer Cup community to be able to sort out. Which is and under-resourced. Which is, no, the, not even, is that I really mean, their responsibility? Mm-hmm. Is it when, when, when you have a city as well as an association that know that the force mark is going to happen? Mm. So, because if they didn't know, and I know that people were saying, oh, the next day, let me tell you, I made it my duty to be able to ensure by six o'clock, Well Street was clean. Which means there was a level of investment. 6 a.m. you mean? In the morning, in because, the morning. because yeah. the city of Cape Town came and they cleaned the, mm. the area yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with certain areas possibly that they didn't clean because maybe that was in a private zone or whatever it might be. But I'm talking about Well Street, Rose Street, etc. I was shocked. I drove up nine o'clock and it was clean mm. because I was waiting for, you know, that, that nothing was going to be done. That was an investment, which means that the city knew about the force marking. And I, I don't want the conversation to be around... Uh, you know, suspending and stopping, etc. I wanted to be around development and to be able to ensure how do we stop? Because you know what to urinate against, whether or not it's against a mosque or anyone, it's it's possibly undignified because where is the toilet? Hmm. A toilet is not something which is a it's not it's not a privilege. So the actual it question is, is why were there not enough why toilets? Why weren't there toilets? Hmm. Because for As opposed to why did you pee against the wall? Because my question is why weren't they toilets? Because mm-hmm. why are we going towards the negativity? Why don't they have, for example, why isn't the broader investment? And I know we am in terms of water, mm-hmm. in terms of access, in terms of ensuring that there is enough, enough safety. And you don't have, to, it, it doesn't have to go towards increased economic investment. Mm-hmm. Because there are community persons. They don't want to be trained. Because last year what we did was... We had people standing, for example, at the different bus. So when that incident came, yeah. we could immediately answer it because we knew that there were people. Yeah. Um, you know, there was security around Shyam, the different we have incidents. two minutes or a minute before we go for our break, our next ad break, then we're going to welcome our next guest. I just want to acknowledge some more of the messages. So listener 5369 who asked the question about the permit also asked the question, so why did the city only grant the choirs the 30th to have the annual road march? We can ask the city that later. And then we have a bigger problem than just the city. Our people are being dictated to by leadership of our very own organizations mm. and still leadership too afraid to take on the city of Cape Town as other promises are being made. Okay, the, the WhatsApp lines are really busy. Let me just read it. We don't have to respond to everything. I just want to acknowledge what people are saying. So listener 0707 says, I fully agree. It's not fun anymore. Last year, the Imam could not come past for Maghrib Salah. Most of the people in the teams are Muslim. Our forefathers used to stop to make Salah and move on. That is the beauty of Islam. 
Listener 9910 says the city of Cape Town must deroute the event, change the route out of the housing area and the organized and the sit organizers and the city of Cape Town should have a toilet area. Anyway, I mean we can talk about the route yeah. thing as well, Sham. Yeah. We can park that as a question. Okay, the route. Listener four five eight three says why not move all the food stalls in Wales Street? It really causes havoc. There's a lot of food stalls. Mm-hmm. Have, we've, we've seen that. Okay, and then the listener 7280 says, The Civic used to organize the Christmas choir. Mm-hmm. Now the dates have changed. So this new year have changed to the 4th of January 2020. Yeah. Is that? I mean, I'll explain what yeah. happened. Yeah. So now the, pers- the, the person seems a bit angry that the city is controlling everything. Listener 9186 says, my suggestion is that if they apply for a permit, then the civic center needs to be open for the use of the mm. minstrels. So there's lots of suggestions coming in on how to mitigate all of this. Let's finish the messages. Listener 6673 says, what will Shiham or the Burkup civic members do if the clubs urinate and smoke dacha in front of their houses and they are threatened? Mm-hmm. Okay. Listener 148 says, when I took my grandchildren to see the coons, according to this listener, I was so proud and made up the youngsters that march in front with the musical instruments is still my heart. I said to my grandchildren, those children are so proud of themselves, at least they were happy doing. Okay, so that's, I mean, obviously appreciates the, the, mm. the, the whole thing. Okay, I think we might need to go for a break, um, and then we can look at some of the other messages, and if there's a response that you want to give to any of that, jam, and then we're also going to get our, our next guest online. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamal. Then I'm going to look at some more of the WhatsApp messages now. Listener 2139 says, Would the city of Cape Town allow that big a congregation of people in Camps Bay Main Road without any toilets, martial services, law enforcement, etc., etc., present? But with the minstrels, they're quick to pounce after the fact. Why is J.P. Smith not worried about issues of crime and abuse when the minstrels are in Mannenberg, Lavender Hill and Mitchell's Plain because there are no rich European Foreigners in Mannenberg, Lavendale, and Mitchell's Plain. Let's call a spade a spade. They are worried about the workup because there are white foreigners there who put pressure on them to get the cup, the people of color out. Ask JP when last he showed any interest to any crime-related issues in relation to the minstrels on the Cape Flats. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to that. For that input, um, we are now going to welcome to the show Sadiq Suka. And he is the chairperson of the Cape Town Minstrel Carnival Association. Sadiq, assalamu alaikum. Good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. Yeah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh to all the listeners out there. And how are you doing? I am alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Very, very stressed out, but alhamdulillah. What, Khan An, why are you stressed out? Christmas shopping? No, never, ever. Okay, just joking anyway. So, um, were you... Sorry? It's much more like a city, my India. Okay, so look, I want to understand something. Um, the Cape Town Minstrel Carnival Association, you represent certain minstrel troops, is that correct? Quite correct, sir. And how many troops do you represent? Okay, we used to have, we had the majority of teams. Let me quickly explain to the listeners out there. Can you just tell uh, me how many teams you have, please? Okay, I think we've got, now currently we've got about 20 20. Did okay. any of your teams participate in the first market in World Cup? Nope. Okay. Only one. And that one team, I can mention it to you, never went, uh, never went to the World Cup. 
on their own accord. What happened is that the Burger Happy Boys invited him. Mm. Like, you know, you, you like to invite people. You joined another team, basically. Correct, yeah. Uh-huh. They invited um, that specific team to come up. So Which this is, is a normal thing. Uh, you know, it, it happens. The rest of it, unfortunately, I cannot talk about. But I, I do want to ask you this question, though. I mean, do you? what do you think of all of these um, uh, concerns that are being raised about the behavior of minstrels in Up and people saying that they bring an element of, um, you know, it's not safe, people are drinking, they're smoking dacha, they're urinating on walls. What, what do you make of all of this? Uh, can I, I, I think that I did reply to this question. I sent VOC a, a voice note condemning whatever has transpired in the Up on that Pacific night, okay? What we need to understand, and this is our culture, I am, I am begging, begging people, right? We can, you see, this is what the, what is, that this is one of the things that people will say that we are not capable of, you know, sort of running our own affairs. It is because of this sort of things that has transpired. You understand? It makes us look so stupid and, and we are not capable. That is one of the reasons why the city of Cape Town Right? I have now basically taken over these events. And we, as the Cape Town Minstrel Carnival Association, being the custodians right, of our culture and the street parade, will not allow them, will not allow them to take this thing over. If there's other people that the city went and assigned and, and signed agreements to, that is their prerogative. At the end of the day, what people need to understand I need to take you quickly back. The Cape Town Minstrel Carnival Association was established in 1996. And all the minstrel troops belonged. There was one body. In that point in time, the ANC made sure that instead of talking to all of these parental bodies, right, the, the city then actually paid and helped, and helped the minstrel organizations to establish an umbrella body. And that was the birth of the Cape Town Minstrel Carnival Association. What also transpired is that the late President Nelson Mandela became an honorable patron of the Cape Town Minstrel Carnival Association when he opened up the carnival um, in Greenpoint. Now, there's such a lot of things that I can explain to you. Now, let's just go through history quickly, okay? That transpired. Then all of a sudden, whatever and it's a pity there's not somebody from the city to respond. Whatever agreements and negotiations the city had, they have never, ever honored any one of those agreements. Okay? After this debacle, they then appointed an ex-constitutional judge by the name of Kate O'Regan, not with their money, but with the right payers' money. Okay? A mediation process where... The Triple KA, all of these bodies, every cultural group was part and parcel of this legal and binding agreement. It was done under the auspices of um, ex mayor Patricia Delo, and even the arts and culture MCs. Mm-hmm. I can't remember name now. 
So Dick, we need to go for a quick ad break. Um, I, I have very specific questions that I'd like to come to though, specifically looking forward at Tweede Nieuwe Jaar. Let's take a break and when we come back, okay. we'll talk about that. Shukran. Siddiq, welcome back to Burning Issue. We have about five minutes before we need to break for the Maghrib Salah. Um, are you going to be participating? Will the Cape Town Minstrel Carnival Association and its 20 troops be participating in the Tweede Nieuwejaar celebration, which has in fact been shifted and renamed. It has been shifted to the 4th of January, I believed, believe, and it's also actually not even called the Tweede Nieuwejaar anymore. Will any of your troops be participating? Look here, in this point in time, um, I cannot respond to that question because there is currently some legal entities into it. Um, I, need to, I need to explain to the communities out there. You see what happened to the Cape Town Monster Carnival Association. I would love somebody to come in, right, and do an internal investigation of who is the Triple KA and who is the Cape Town Monster Carnival Association, what transpired. What is very, very important for the people to note out there is that we were the recognized body all along, right? Then some after we attended, and I don't want to keep this political, but unfortunately this is the truth. After we participated in the ANC celebrations in Cape Town Stadium, in the Cape Town Stadium, then all of a sudden things started to change. Right? And then I can question, I can question the city's policies, even now currently. Right? They, they say that, look here, uh, we will keep you liable for this, we keep you liable for that. All of a sudden, the Triple K, who used to play, they used to have a carnival at Faith's Ground. We never, we are not against anybody practicing the arts and culture. It's never, ever been our intentions to stand in anybody's way. Okay. Ever since what what this transpired, and I want everybody, all I want our communities out there. Okay, a very simple question to the city of Cape Town: Why is it right that every year, mm. when it comes to the twelfth month, mm. right, that that sort of things is happening? If there's all the other big major events in the city, people get permitted for the time. Mm. Even those people, and, and I'm also calling now on my counterparts at Triple A. To those people as well, please, guys, we need to unite and come together. Because at the end of the day, the city will take, like they did already, they will take charge of our culture. Okay. Look, I, I, I know that there are some legal things, as you have mentioned now, around your potential participation or non-participation in the Tweed and EVR celebration. But the main question is, this should be an event for everybody from Cape Town, not just some troops. And it's our tax money, actually. Millions okay. of our tax money every year that's being paid for this. I'm going to have to ask J.P. Smith later when he comes on the show why your association is not participating. Is that all you can tell us? No, it, no, no, there's no, a legal no, thing around just, it because we need to understand quickly, why troops yeah, are quickly, not being involved yeah, yeah, in this event. Quickly, quickly come. Right? They, I mean, you know all the problems. Yeah? And I've challenged the city now. I can show you and I will forward documentation of legal processes. Right? Up to, I think, on the 17th of, of um, December. Right? None of these things. Then all of a sudden the city comes in to say we're not in compliance with a, B, C, and D. I've been doing this for years. I never, ever had any problem, right, to obtain a 
permit. Did you, did you participate last year right. in the Tweede We have to go for Maghrib soon. Did you participate last year in the Tweede Nivea? Yes, we did. But under duress, first of all, mm. what, what I would like to say, that Tweede Nivea roadmap, the significance of the Tweede Nivea roadmap, it is we are celebrating our culture, the freedom of the slaves. Yeah, and I mean, it's now be been called the Cape, Cape Town, Town Carnival, right? I can never be called the Cape Town Carnival. And also, just before, before you, um, J.P. Smith, I'm keeping J.P. Smith and Mr. Campino accountable under the Saturday Act, which he publicly stated the other day when he was on Voice of the Cape, that there is going to be legal procedures that is going to be followed. Okay. We're going to okay. go for Maghrib now. Shukran so much, Sadiq. We appreciate your input. Do stay tuned when we have J.P. Smith on the show later. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Ezid Kamaldin. We are now into the last half hour of the show. And, of course, listeners from World Cup have been raising a number of concerns around safety um, that, uh, you know, that they feel that the first market, for example, on December 16th, raised a number of issues for them. And they're also looking forward to uh, Twitter Neviar, but are concerned that the minstrels may behave in a similar manner that they claim they saw on the 16th, which was drinking alcohol in the neighborhood, smoking dacha, urinating on walls, that kind of thing. We now are joined by J.P. Smith. He's the mayoral committee member for safety and security at the city of Cape Town. And this, of course, is our local government, which pumps millions of rands into this event every year. J.P., good evening and welcome back to Burning Issue. Good evening, Music. I think you should become a co-host. I think this is like the third time this month that you, (laughs) the third time in as many weeks almost that you've been on the show. I'm either always in trouble or I'm always accessible or both. <laughs> JP, and it's also not the first time that you've been on Burning Issue talking about the minstrels. Um, you know, we've in fact last year we talked about we had Imam Moti on the show and he was talking about minstrels who he alleged and photographed who were urinating on the mosque wall, for example. And now the safety concerns are coming up from residents in Burkup. The city of Cape Town puts money into this event. And what is your take on this? The safety concerns. Well, I think we did have a safety crisis at the last event. The event definitely went badly sideways. Um, and, and involved, to the best of my understanding, three young people being stabbed with a, a running brawl um, that had people screaming and running for their lives. And if the recollection or retelling is correct, then that is absolutely not the face of a long-standing Cape Town custom, uh, tradition, nor is it what we want to inflict on the CBD or the Burkhop. And I think... The, the core of it stems from the fact that the event was unauthorized. So you had an illegal event which was done without the consultation of SAPS or the city, and the city is laying charges against the organizers because it's not just about city bylaws now. There is a piece of national legislation called SASRIA, the major events legislation, and that says, well, that actually prescribes some pretty stiff penalties for people who organize large crowds of people with out the consent and support of the South African police. Uh, so in the end, what happens is if you have a large event like this, it's almost impossible to go chase people away. And, you know, you've got women and children involved. It's not possible to then go and intervene. Okay. The organizers should understand that they shouldn't organize things like this before the event is, is hosted. Okay, so, uh, so are you saying there wasn't, like, uh, what usually happens when there's a big event, people make an application for a permit. Is that correct? Correct. So, so what happens is you convene a thing called the Events Coordinating Committee, 
That committee consists of SAPs, Disaster Management, Traffic, Law Enforcement, Metro Police, Private Security, every potential stakeholder in the area, and you then plan how many marshals, where, what fencing, what security, extra staff are brought on board. We pay overtime to staff to have longer hours there, and that didn't happen with this event. So there was no application. There was no application for a permit to hold the event. No, sir. And, and, it's unlawful and, both in terms of the city bylaw and in terms of the national legislation. And, um, okay, that's fascinating. So, But no people were arrested, for example, for illegally holding an event in a public space? No. Um, uh, for the reason I described to you earlier, once you have an event like that, to try and extricate, extricate or target individuals who you believe to be um, responsible for the event and to remove them from the scene without causing you know, threat to life or property, of the individuals concerned is just not feasible. You're talking about a handful of police officers, whether they be SAPs or Metro Police or law enforcement, having to act against a crowd of hundreds or thousands. It's just not advisable. So in these cases, you engage in prosecution afterwards is the only responsible way to do it, and and that's what we're doing in this case. So so are you saying that the organizers are, are facing um, sort of charges or can you can you just give us details on that so that we know as, as so that the community is aware of it? Um, yes. Uh, so in terms of Sastria, um, engaging in an event like that without permission, without meeting the minimum requirements is a criminal offense um, and comes with serious penalties. The city bylaw prescribes hefty fines um, or prison time uh, for... Uh, holding an event without uh, uh, consent. We rarely prosecute. Um, we reserve that for for particularly egregious cases. And I think when young people are, or people are stabbed during an event, uh, that must amount to egregious circumstances. And who are the organizers that will face these charges? So we have been uh, given names of the people from the respective troops uh, who organized. You can't expect every troop member to be aware of what's going on. Presumably some of the troop members go in good faith, believing that the event is lawful. Certain that not every single one of them is going to ask to see an events permit. But the organizers of it need to know better. And in this regard, I suspect we also then have an issue with the local civic uh, because they facilitate some of the arrangements in terms of arranging tables and otherwise, and are clearly part of the arrangements because they're aware of when these tables and otherwise need to be need to be arranged. Now, that's for SAPs to sort out once the charges are laid, um, and then the detectives will need to do their bit. Okay, so that's the Burkup Civic. And is it also perhaps the Cops, the Clubs, the Carnival Association? I don't know which of the individual troops um, are involved, whether it's uh, former CTMCA members or KKKR or one of the other smaller boards that uh, we will have to see. And I, I'm loath to engage in name calling, uh, which is why you've seen I've avoided doing so um, in a public forum until we have uh, concrete evidence and until an investigation is confirmed yeah. who is responsible, if such an investigation can even confirm who mm-hmm. is responsible. I mean, uh, just coming back to the question of the permits, so so the point would mm-hmm. be to, to, to make is that arguably the injuries to the young people that were incurred could have been avoided if there had been an adequate security and a proper security presence with the CCTV cameras being monitored and responded to and adequate security arrangements were in place beforehand. When mm-hmm. that doesn't happen, 
those injuries, I'm afraid, are on the heads of the organizers. Okay. This is when we always say to people, be careful when you do something like this, because if there is serious liability, if those families decide to sue, for instance, and there is serious liability, that could amount to millions, and somebody is going to be held responsible for that, and that somebody is the organizer. Yeah. Look, I just want to come back to the question of the permits, because it's something that um, our listeners are, are asking about as well. Um, and the question is quite straightforward. Why should the Cape Town, uh, the organizers of the Minstrel events and the Cape Malakwai events, why should they apply for a permit annually if this is part of the, the, the city's uh, calendar? All events must apply. The legislation says that if you hold an event bigger than 2,000 people, you're applying. So everybody has to apply. Um, that's national legislation. Uh, and even with a city's bylaw, because if an event is so important and so precious to a community or a city that it is part of an annual calendar, then all the more reason to make that event safe, secure, have a medical plan, evacuation plans, um, uh, disaster intervention arrangements to make sure there's adequate security and stuff. Otherwise, your major events in your city will deteriorate to the point where you can't attract other events and where people are fearful of going to such events because there are incidents. Now, we haven't had such stuff with the Malay Choir or the minstrel events in the last few years, and that's because we have run an effective show there. That has not always been the case for the minstrels. And I think it's reflected yes, this year in the fact that the minstrels have secured significant corporate sponsorship, and that's an indication of increased public confidence, mm -hmm. and not government confidence, but public confidence in the event. Yeah. JP, um, I want to ask you again about the Twitter NVR, of course, and the safety, but we, we don't like losing callers on the show. Caller, assalamu alaikum. Good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. Hi, assalamu alaikum. It's Fatima here. Welcome, Salam Fatima. Welcome to the show. I You're live on air. I have a question of Councillor JP Smith. So, for me, the first thing is they claim that Cape Town is a world class city, and we know from as people who live in the city that the city is well capable of hosting world class events. We all experienced the World Cup, we've seen other events. So, the reality is if the city is committed to it, it can provide an incident free Mansour Carnival to us. Every year, there's permutations on the same conversation. We get lost in the date, the route, the toilets. But the big political conversation is the default hostility of the city administration to, to the traditions of working class people in our city. Okay. Shukran for your input, Fatima. We appreciate that. Um, JP, the, the, the listeners expressing concern that the city is showing hostility towards the minstrels. Is that true, though? think that that's a ridiculous political statement. I mean, it sounded read out for starters, but I, I do want to treat that or reject that with, with absolute contempt. That's every bit of evidence shows the contrary. The progress we've made with hosting the event over the last years, the level of professionalism of the event. In fact, there has been no political hostility. There's nothing but warm embrace and friendliness from the city. This is the event which we give more money to than any other event in the city. We're proud of the minstrels event. We support it. This year, we've really gone out on a limb. We've signed a three-year agreement with the minstrels, the first time ever in the history that the city has signed a multi-year agreement when the ANC was governing or when the DA was governing. First time that we've signed a multi-year agreement with the minstrels because we are that committed, and they have shown that they can run a really professional okay. um, event because, effectively, it is under new administration, and that new administration is is doing well. So, no, I reject the idea that there's an hostility to working-class events, anything but. In fact, I can also 
tell you that the city's events process encourages financial, gives the financial encouragement to events organizers to go host events in communities that do not traditionally benefit from them. Mm-hmm. JP, you know something that residents have raised on our radio show, not just tonight on Burning Issue, but also last week, um, they're really concerned about people, and according to them, they've seen people, you know, smoking dacha in the neighborhood. They, they, they just feel a bit that there's some unsafe elements or or, or problems that they face. Um, Twitter Neviar is coming up. Um, the date, of course, is not on the 2nd. Um, we can also just clarify the dates for our listeners. Um, there have been two date changes, of course, that we need to inform the public about. Um, but, you know, the city is, of course, very confident sounding about the new organi- or the organizers of the event, the Cups of Clubs of Carnival Association. And in conjunction with them, you know, like, what is the message to book up residents who say or feel and have witnessed what they claim to be or allege to be um, uh, a, a lack of safety for them. So let's now set aside the unlawful event that happened a few weeks ago, which was with groups presumably linked to CTMCA and otherwise, which I think had at its core an intention to also cause provocation. Okay, I, I just want to say, I just, just want to say, on the yeah, authorized yeah, or, yeah. Or, or approved event which will Jeffy, have substantial can I just say something, and security resources yeah. attached to it. Can I just quickly say something because I, I think I'm going to forget to say this. Um, I also interviewed Sadiq Sukkar. He's the chairperson of the CTMCA, the Cape Town Municipal Carnival, Carnival Association, on this evening show and he actually said that none of their troops participated um, in the December 16th event. So that's where, not the information I've received and we will confirm okay. whether that is or isn't the case. Um, we have a long history with Mr. Sukkar, and I, I prefer not to um, to debate uh, Mr. Sukkar via an intermediary or otherwise, because also remember Mr. Sukkar and them are launching court action against the city again, as has become customary for them. I think this will be the eighth um, consecutive case of which the previous seven were not settled in their favour by the court. So I'm uh, going to be I've actually I've actually written about that that Mr. Sukkar yeah. may seek to um, engage with in court. I've actually written about those court cases, so I'm quite familiar with it. Um, um, the, but anyway, so yeah, so, so you say that they But anyway, let's go into the merits and, and all of that now. But yeah, I mean, residents are concerned. Residents are concerned for their safety. I share that concern, absolutely. I think the Boerkop, um has, uh, like the rest of the CBD, uh, the safety standards have slipped. Uh, the local SAP station is profoundly under-resourced. Um, and the mayor recently pushed 18 extra officers into that city bowl and Boerkop and CBD area. Another 20 were just added now by MEC Mania, who signed an agreement with the city. So we have more boots on the ground. We're hoping to add some more yet. Um, and I am on some WhatsApp groups of these staff, so I'm seeing them patrolling and sending photographs of their activities in parts of the Boerkop as well. So hopefully we can recover some of the space. The Strand Street Quarry was previously problematic, but we've reclaimed some of that with Metro Police relocating there. We've actually in an attempt to improve safety there, relocated the Metro Police's area west office there um, to the old electricity depot. And uh, the, um, uh, the wash house and quarry informal settlement above it, I'm afraid, still remains a, a source of substantial concern. And I'm hoping that... Via the Pi Act, we will be able to resolve the relocation of some of the individuals there so that uh, the, some of the challenges the World Cup faces routinely can, um, can be brought under control.
Okay, okay. Um, and I think what's also important to notice around that Strand Street quarry, wasn't there a minstrel troop evicted from there? No, sir. Um, oh, okay. There's never been a minstrel troop evicted. They had a, a practice venue um, in the one space, which, of course, they would still be welcome to use. There is a mess hall there, a large uh, gathering hall, okay. uh, which they would still be able to make application for that or any other venue to um, to participate. But uh, the informal or intermittent storage of some goods uh, in that Blue Room was just uh, an informal arrangement. And in the long run, the city would always have needed at some point to use that facility on a more permanent basis. So that's public facility, uh, the city's um, facility, obviously, and they can rent it. They can apply to use it. Well, the Metro Police now use it. Uh, we needed to relocate Metro Police. We were in rented premises in the city that was costing around six million rand a year. Um, and we wanted to uh, cease paying rental. The city and national government strategy is to desist from renting spaces where possible and to use our own facilities in terms of cost containment and uh, moving into our own premises at the electricity depot and surrounds was part of that. But we will always seek to accommodate uh, groups such as, for instance, paying additional uh, costs towards ensuring that the Malay choirs could bus people to a venue that wasn't as conveniently located as they needed it to be. So we really are bending over backwards wherever possible to accommodate community events. Mm -hmm. Look, I mean, I do understand that we're not going to have a conversation about Sadiq Suka, but the impression that I got from the interview with him earlier into this evening show was that they are being almost barred or prevented from participating in Twitter Nivayar, and he said that he doesn't know if his troops will be participating in what is essentially... Uh, you know, a, a communal event, a, an event for all citizens. Um, and it's just curious. I just wanted to know, for example, is there, you know, like what's happening there? I mean, why are 20 troops being told that they can't participate in the Twitter New Year celebration? I don't think that's true at all. I think that's the problem. When I say to you I'm hesitant to engage or debate Mr. Sucre, it's because he peddles a lot of information that isn't factually accurate. So the last time we asked, he represented as little as seven troops. Um, with more and more of the troops continuously joining um, the the, the uh, street parade on the 2nd. The um, organizers for that have committed to ensuring that that is open and accessible to all. Because remember, for years, the CTMCA had exclusive rights to organizing that event and barred other troops from participating. When the um, event organizers changed hands to the KKKR, was an entirely legitimate body and is, I would suggest, doing a better job than CTMCA ever did. Because CTMCA, in my honest opinion, having watched it from the sidelines for 20 years, did a tremendous amount of harm to the minstrel's cause, um, including the failure to elevate that event over time to a thing that creates more jobs and prosperity for the participants. But let's leave that aside for the moment. He the, the represents an extremely small number of people, and even those are entirely um, permitted or encouraged, in fact, to go and participate in the Twitter NVR street parade. The event is by no means exclusive, and any troop can participate. And, in fact, we wrote that into the agreement to ensure that nobody would be excluded because I was the one who advocated the most aggressively over the last few years for those groups coming together and working together as a single body. I mean, that would make more not sense. not having different troops and not mm. having different boards and, in fact, consolidating the efforts. And I'm afraid that the city was unable to bring them around the table to a single agreement because 
for lack of interest among themselves. So it would actually make sense that you'd have different bodies uniting over the biggest cultural event One of the year so, yeah, for municipal troops. I the mean, personalities don't permit that, it would appear. Okay. In wrapping up our interview, um, let's talk about the date changes so that people are aware. Look, the date changes entirely in the hands of the organisers. So, I mean, in this regard, uh, whatever date they settle on is what the city will support. Um, We're not back to the custom of CTMCA every time finding some particular issue to have a front-page argument about. Uh, The KKKR will work with the um, Events Coordinating Committee and SAPS and settled on a date which which would work for them. Uh, And my understanding is that there's no dispute about that date. Okay, and I mean this. I mean, there's always the, there's also this talk about the stadium and that the city's blocking them from getting a stadium. Is I mean that's a story that I've written before as well. I mean, is that yeah, still an issue? When I say Mr. Sikapedal's half truth, this is the problem. So, the uh, let's take the stadium issue for instance. This is another a good example of of one of these half truths. So the problem is that SAPS regraded, not the city, national government regraded all the menstrual events as medium risk events. The venue that they wanted to use, the Greenpoint Athletic Stadium, is not graded for medium risk. It's graded only for low risk. And so we have massive challenges when national government changed the legislation and required all events, all the facilities to be SESRIA compliant. They dropped a bomb all over South Africa on events and sporting events in that hardly any facilities in the country are SESRIA compliant. And that has led all the cities to a two, three-year scrabble to try and uh, get their events, their venues, <clears throat> Uh, compliant and the Greenpoint Stadium is only low risk compliant so by SAPS regrading it they effectively took that venue off the table as a venue for um, for them to have a competition but any other venue would be good there are other venues in the city that have been suggested which they apparently have rejected mm-hmm. is, is medium risk sorry to belabor the point but is medium risk based on the amount of people that can attend an event or that will attend an event is it based on numbers it's a feature of number and risk and track record, etc. And you will need to interrogate SAPS on that because we don't make those calls. That's an exclusively SAPS, exclusive SAPS competency. There is an appeal mechanism. We have advised them of this. Mm-hmm. They can appeal to the provincial commissioner um, to uh, to reconsider that uh, risk rating, but that's entirely in SAPS's hands. Mm-hmm. Well, JB, we wish you all the best for the Twitter New Year event. Of course, we're going to see lots of people back in the city for the annual cultural uh, street parade by the minstrels. Um, and I'm sure that there's, if there's news, we'll keep our, our listeners and our community informed. Absolutely. And I'm excited this year they've secured significant corporate sponsorship for the first time, which means that the extra money that the city again uh, and provincial government give towards it can go for enhancing and developing the event over time. And that means that sooner or later we can start seeing a situation where there's more significant job creation through this event year on year. Mm-hmm. J.B. Smith, th- th- thank you so much for your time on Burning Issue. You're welcome. Let's keep also. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. We are now going into the last bit of the show. I want to acknowledge the various WhatsApp messages that have come through. But let's quickly go to Shyam. Shyam, any um, initial thoughts on the interview that we just did with JP Smith? Well, I mean, I have to say that, I mean, JP is always JP. And I mean, he's going to use, for example, always have the security and safety issue and to be able to, I would always say, criminalize. 
not just poverty, but criminalized people. I always say within a broader context that the city is there for all. And when we have people coming into the city, this is, for me, a world-class uh, event. And like one of the previous callers said, we did the 2010, we do big um, uh, events. And the challenge that I'm sitting with is, well, why isn't the history, for example, written up? We have the most beautiful Malay uh, history, where they sing in Netherlands, they sing in Afrikaans, and if you really listen to it, it is rooted in politics, it's rooted in socioeconomic circumstances, it's even rooted in love, which is what Rosa is all about. Now, I want to see a city that doesn't just speak in a, in, in, in a manner of security and in a manner of oppression. We need to be able to bring out, I would have thought 10 years later, 25 years later, that Every year we have pamphlets, we have information that goes out about the history of Rosa, the history of Malay choirs, the history of the dress of, of, of the, the, the Klopse, the Tweededeva Yar and why is there? Because there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between a city. And I think that I take contempt that every time then, you know, that, that, that the law is used to be able to oppress. My issue is that as JP Spirt is talking about a child for example that was uh, that that for example possible organizers can be found not just guilty but can be severely pursued the city of Cape Town can be can be held constitutionally liable because of the lack of administrators and I would say organizing because it's not like they know that the first market is not going to happen they know that we never yard is going to happen and I think it's very easy to put the, the different associations against each other rather than after two, three, four years, why can't people sit together? Now my question to JP is but what has been done? And it's not to be able to say that the KKK is better than the CTC, whatever it might be. Because we are talking not about individuals or associations, we are talking about troops, women and people in communities that have given everything to be part of that. So the questioning is wrong. And I ask for example, how do we change the city of Cape Town? Although they say that it is up to the choirs, etc., etc., to change in terms of the date, it's not true. Because if you only give X amount for services, etc., and when we talk about this risk from medium to high, when you have enough money, sadly, you can mitigate these costs. And up to today, the city of Cape Town has not costed. What does it mean to move, for example, from the 30th to the 31st? How do you change? Oh, yeah, Anne to the 30th of December, to be able to cater for who? People that is in Long Street, in Loop Street, for example, the hotel is having a massive function, etc. Whereas we're talking about three to four hundred years of history that is being dismissed and being placed up to the 30th, in addition to the changing of the name. Because Tweeden every year has got a slave history. It speaks to the resilience of people that came out on the second new year. How do you change a name to a carnival or a parade? It is not just a yeah, parade. It's now called it's the Cape Town and, Carnival. And so the issue that I have is where did they get the mandate to be able to just change and Well, wipe I've out interviewed, Shin, uh, just to, to make your wish, Sham, that I've interviewed uh, Munib Gambino um, of the Kapsa Klubsa Carnival Association previously and he had said that they needed to position the event the Twitter Nivea event to a global 
audience? All around the world, whether or not it's Brazil, with Santa Fe, we, we, all around the world, you have local taking ownership. And, you know, we don't and we need to be able to speak about local economy and global economy and how do they come together. Now, the Kaka might have good intentions, but at the end of the day, they are professionalizing outside of a social and economic context and the people are not being... I mean, I wish that they were on on the show, though, that Munib couldn't make it because, I mean, it definitely begs an answer. How could the Tweede Nivear, which is such a symbolic uh, event of our history in, in the Cape, for hundreds of years of our history, uh, it's the freedom of the slaves, right? I mean, it's, a, it's about our... It's about our um, our ancestors, how do you rename that Tweede Nivear to Cape Town Carnival, firstly, and secondly, of course, how do you move the date from the 2nd of January, which is the day that the slaves had the city, how do you move that day to the 4th of January, okay. and how do you also make the the, the, the Oya and the 30th, the 30th, 30th when it's actually meant to be the 31st. So there are many questions, but yes. the right people are not here because they did not want to come out. But anyway. also, in addition to that, there is a Kato Reagan Accord. Now, nobody speaks about it. It was, the, and I know that JP Smith said that this is the first time. The first time when you saw proper unity was when the Kate O'Regan uh, did the, when, when we signed the accord, which and was that way was back in 2011. Yeah, yeah. And there everything was set out. When was a force market? What are the conditions? How the 31st of December can be determined? And also how the second, because if the second new year, for example, falls on a Thursday, you won't go into a Friday and it will be the following day. So we do take, the, what they do take into account is issues of, uh, they take into account religion, they take into account a range of things mm. when that is determined. But it can never be, if those circumstances are not there, that you shift your Oya'an right back to the 30th of December. And also, it's an economic waste for people or entrepreneurs that's from the Cape Flats that comes in. Because who is going to? Because the 30th of December is a working day. Yeah. Look, Shyam, we're going to have to wrap up soon. We do understand, of course, that Thursday night is quite a significant yes. night for the Muslim community. So that's also one of the reasons why the dates have been shifted. Um, I want to, I think, let's wrap up. Um, listeners, I just want to say that, unfortunately, we did not have enough time to go through all the WhatsApp messages. Shukran for all the input. There are tons of messages. Um, it's clearly a topic that is, uh, you know, I've Concern to our community. I do wish that if you go to the Tweed and AVR celebration um, and any other um, festivities over this period, we wish you safe, inshallah, and we do hope that the Book Up community has a safe event when the minstrels do come into the area. And it's clear that it's 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 not something that's widespread according to um, the testimonials that we have received. So hopefully everything will be fine. Shiam Shukran so much for joining us in studio. Um, Assalamu alaikum to all the listeners. Thank Thank you again for having me and for addressing this burning issue. Yeah. <laughs> From myself, Ezid Kamaldin, Assalamu alaikum.